Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Art of Social Media podcast. I'm super excited to have with us Dane Walker from Rival. Dane is a principal at Rival, the specialist agency in branding and content. Dane, welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Why did you tell us your origin story? How did you get started in the agency world? What led you to agencies? Yeah, the the funny thing, it was never really planned. My background is in sales and Prior to sales, I was doing design in like a merchandise shop. So I kind of learned a lot about design, branding, advertising, so forth. Even just like kind of literally creating five-minute brands. It was like a little t-shirt shop in a shopping mall. And people would walk in and we would custom press t-shirts. So people like literally someone would come in and say, hey, I want 20 t-shirts. I need it done in two hours. I need a logo. <laughs> It's an event for a charity, whatever it is. And literally in 20 minutes, I would like design a logo, heat press their shirts, fold them up, sell them. And whilst doing that, I was also designing the items for the store. So I would always analyze people walking past the window. We might have 8,000 people walk past the windows every day. So I would pay close attention to what they would look at, what they would pick up, what they would try on. And... With that data, I would just start creating new ideas and new things that that uh, I think they would buy. So a lot of it was like joke t-shirts or band merch or... And obviously, you can't just take someone's logo and slap it on a shirt, but you're allowed to find out what photography is not licensed and make your artistic rendition of, let's just say, Mick Jagger, and you can make your own Mick Jagger merch, stuff like that. So yeah, I worked there for five years, learned a lot about Adobe and Photoshop and Illustrator and even just how to like design a logo. And when you're under a lot of pressure, you just have to learn how to do things fast. And that taught me a lot. I ran their advertising. I built their website. I ran their social pages and just started to get a good understanding of what it kind of takes to manage a brand. Ironically, I didn't even think of it as branding. I just thought, oh, I have a job here. I'm just going to do, I'm going to do my job well. That's literally how I saw it. So definitely underpaid, but definitely enjoyed it and learned a lot. And then after that, I went into the sales realm. I was selling insurance, cars. I even did MLM. I sold technology. I sold electricity. I door knocked, uh, cold colds. You name it, man. I, I just did a whole bunch of retail, a whole bunch of sales stuff for about probably a decade. I wound up working at a gym. I got poached from... I literally was selling vacuums. And a guy came in who was the CEO of World Gym Australia. I didn't realize at the time. But he came into the store and he said, hey, man, I got guys puking on my gym mats. What should I use to clean it? And I said, maybe I'll come down and have a look and just figure it out. And I can just mess around with some chemicals and see if I can figure it out for you. So here I am like scrubbing this dude's like gym mats and spraying different stuff on it to try to see how I could get the puke stains out of his gym mats. And using different machines and equipment, I figured it out. And I was walking literally maybe a mile back and forth between the gym and my store just to try to figure this problem out for the guy. It was a quiet day. And I think he could see something in me. And he said, look, like mid scrubbing the puke, he's like, do you want a job here? 
And I was like, doing what? And he goes, I reckon you're pretty good at sales. Do you want to sell memberships? He's like, I noticed you've been training here, you're getting fit. Like, do you want to, do you want to work here? And I was like, sure. I hate selling vacuums. Like, I'll give it a crack. Two weeks later, after being there, I'm allowed to deal with the team at that time hated me because I came in and was, I'm quite aggressive with my selling techniques. Like I'll just kind of do whatever it takes. And I was hitting my records and breaking the records. And then after week two, he made me the manager and that pissed the team off even more. But then because I was able to teach them what I knew and get them selling, you know, they quickly fell in love with my personality and how I operate. And yeah, literally four weeks after that, he said, Hey, do you want to run your own club? And I was like, Sure. <laughs> so within two days, I sold all my shit. Me and my fiance road tripped about nine hours to this small country town. In the duration of about three months, I took one of his clubs from selling maybe 30 memberships a month to over 300 per month. And we were, we were keeping up with the big city brands and we were in a little country town, like a tiny little country town. And in that town, nobody really liked the gym because they had a bad impression of it. They just thought it was for gym heads. So I kind of had to rebrand the gym in the town to be more about health and well-being than it was about taking steroids and getting jacked or whatever else it was. So we kind of rebranded it and I was running their content. I was managing the sales team. I was kind of driving the business. I kind of, I don't know, I realized it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I missed being in my hometown. So six months in, I moved back. They weren't very happy about it. And, you know, I was kind of now the black sheep on the outside. I, I was demoted. And because I moved, there was already an infrastructure in that team. So anyways, I ended up getting another job selling technology at a store called Telstra, uh, which is cool. And then while I was there, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. I wanted to start a business. I didn't know what. I went to a Gary V event. And the event I went to was like a sales marathon. You know, those full day events where they have back-to-back -back speakers and you're meant to learn business, but they all just come out and try to sell you shit. They're like, yeah, like 40-minute speech, buy my bootcamp, 40-minute speech, buy my software. And by the end of it, I was falling asleep and Gary V came out. He did a 10-minute talk. Then he did two hours Q&A. And I realized that he had the whole room on the edge of their seat and he wasn't selling anything. And... There was about 5,000 people in the audience and everybody was like standing up with their cameras out, just totally engaged with the guy. And his message when he came out, the first thing he said when he got out on stage is, what's up, Brisbane? I'm not here to sell you shit. And he kind of was making fun of all the speakers before him. And I was like, man, this guy's bold. He's got, he's got kahunas. Like he, he's at this event and he's making fun of the people he's doing the event with. And then he just did Q&A. And then in that, he basically had this message, which was, you just need to shut up and start your business and figure it out as you go. Kind of like running off the cliff and building the plane on the way down versus trying to build the plane, make it perfect, and then take off from the cliff. I resonated with that because that's kind of how I operate. I don't really, I'm not the guy with a plan. I just kind of jump in and figure it out. So that resonated with me. And literally on the drive home that night, I decided to start an agency. I had no idea who was going to be my client. I had no idea what product I was going to sell. I had literally no idea. I just knew I was going to do it. So I took out my grocery money that was meant to be for our food. And we lived off Migarang, me and my fiance, Ellie, for a couple of weeks. And yeah, I downloaded and paid for Adobe. I downloaded and paid for a stock subscription site. Literally just started 
messaging people on Facebook, like who needs a logo, who needs a business card. The first project I got was $50 for per poster for like five posters for a teeth whitening company that was associated with the gym. I did that. That led into another project. Then they referred me to someone that wanted a logo. Then that referred me to someone that wanted content. It just kind of whatever people wanted, I would just sell and then figure it out as I went through it. Because of that, I had to upskill myself. I was like, I'm a little rusty. I went onto YouTube and stumbled upon Chris Doe, started buying his courses. And through that, learned how he was getting traction on social media, which was at that time making carousels. And what a carousel is on Instagram, it's like a post that you swipe through and you have 10 slides. I liked what he was doing. He was basically kind of treating it like a magazine. The first slide was a headline of the problem that you're looking to solve. And then he would tell a story or he would share a metaphor or he would give tips or steps to a tiny actionable concept. And that's kind of how I teach. I teach through like showing and sharing versus telling. And I decided duplicating his model, right? Success leaves clues. I'm like, he's successful. I'm just going to do what he's doing. And my Instagram in the period of six weeks went from zero to like 5,000 followers. And that was face melting for me because I was like, this is crazy. I can't believe how much traction I'm getting on Instagram. I continued to post. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a project that was about $12,000 a month. I got a bunch of contracts. I was making content for people. And then for the rest of that year, which was back in 2019, for all of 2019, I was a content creator for about 40 brands a month by myself. No employees. I was doing everything. So it's almost like when you build your own brand and you're successful, that's one thing. But when you're managing 40 brands, doing all the copy, all the design, all the management, you start to kind of see the matrix. <laughs> so I started figuring out the algorithm and what makes it tick and how different industries relate. And, you know, Instagram is a complicated machine, but what I, what I felt most frustrated about was pretty much every single person I talked to looked at content as a means to make money versus a platform to entertain or give value. And the few that said they want to do that didn't really mean it. They just wanted the reward. They didn't want to put in the time. So I got all my clients good results and I learned that I had a passion, not for content, but for like the idea behind the content. Every brand we talked to said the same shit. They would be like, we want to be an innovative company that provides quality products and services. And we do that by being trustworthy and honest and authentic so that we can empower people to do X, Y, Z. And we're better than our competitors because we're quality. And everybody was saying the same thing, right? Because it's like, well, that's a no-brainer, right? Those are the things you should say. But when I started researching branding and looking into it, it, it's a hell of a lot more about being personable, like having an idea, a unique concept, speaking in a unique way and actually being like a bit more interesting, right? Like Harley Davidson doesn't say we make quality motorcycles to empower men. They say we're about rebellion and freedom. And if you want to feel masculine, get on a Harley. Nike doesn't sell shoes or fabrics or soles or shoelaces. They sell the feeling of confidence. 
hey, are you an athlete or do you have aspirations to do something great? Wear these and you'll feel that way. It's more about how people feel and a lot less about what the thing is. And looking around the market, you know, there's so many people out there that say I'm a marketing guru, but they've never studied anything. They don't have a degree. They don't have an MBA. They haven't worked on a project far outside themselves. Neither do I. Like I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I don't have a degree. But what I have done is I have studied the literature and spent a large sum of money learning this stuff. And the, the point I'm trying to make here is that I learned that branding is what drives content and how people are rewarded or how they feel when they interact with it. That's the missing ingredient that most brands don't have. Right. A lot of background here, a lot of digest, but very exciting story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. So going back, connecting the dots, you learned your branding lessons and logo lessons in that shop, and then you kind of did your sales, and then finally Gary Vee kind of pushed you over the cliff saying, hey, just do it, man. And that's how we got started. Pretty much, man, yeah. Yeah, yeah it never really was planned. It's kind of like, it just kind of came together. So after year one, I realized I needed to hire some people and I started transitioning away from just content. And we started working with business owners on, hey, how do we actually figure out like the, the actual problem? Content's not the problem. It's just a mechanism to get attention. The problem is that we found that most business owners are in ambiguity and the worst cases were they didn't even know they were in an ambiguity. And what I mean by that is they weren't really clear on what they were doing and how on earth would a client be clear if they're not even clear on what they're doing. So what we started specializing in is how do we help a business owner get really clear on what it is they're doing, keeping them away from the vanilla stuff, right? The we're authentic and we're about empowering people and we have quality. Like how do we get them away from that generic language and actually create their own vocabulary and create their own story and be something different than their competitors rather than copying their competitors and fitting in. How do we actually make them stand out and be a different offering? We started specializing in that. We're doing workshops, creating their vocabulary, writing their kind of their persona. Then we look back at their clients and go, well, who are your clients and why would they buy from you and why should they care and what makes you special and who do they become if they're associated with you, right? If I buy a Jeep, I become adventurous. If I drive a Mercedes, I become powerful. If I ride a Harley, I become a rebel. You know, who do I become if I buy your product or your service? So we just started engineering this whole ideal uh, for, for business owners. And then we take that and then we were translating it into design because we believe that design has a job to do. And that's not to just look flashy. It's to portray an image. It's to kind of plan an idea in their head as to what you are, right? Coca-Cola, it's just sugar water. But if you look at their branding, it's about summertime, joy, refreshing. They create this whole universe. They kind of build their own world in your head. Same with Starbucks, same with Nike, same with Apple, right? They build their universe in your head and then they control how you, how you perceive them to be. And most business owners think they have this, but if you go interview 100 of their clients, they all say different things. But if you go interview 100 clients of Nike, they'd all say the same thing. So we started educating business owners as to what branding is, how to use it, and then we would build it together with them. Then we would translate it into design and build all the design for them. And then create all the tools for their design, like all the different logos and how to use them and all the different fonts they should use and how to use them. And colors, like colors are just like, yeah, our brand's yellow and black. It's like, well, 
what percentage of it is yellow? What percentage is black? Do you use the same color percentages on the website and the same as in the retail store? So for example, retail brands, Shopify usually needs to be light mode, like white backgrounds, nice and easy to navigate. Whereas the store might be a bit louder with color and a bit more interesting. So we started building these brand identity kits for brands. And I went from a team of like me and two freelancers that I contracted to now we have 22 people on our team. And all we do is build brands and all we do is like name brands, design the logos and build their websites. And that's kind of it. And we've had the privilege of working with, you know, brands like Chase Morgan Bank, Coca-Cola, um, the ex-CEO of Red Bull. Right now we're pitching G-Shock and Dragon Sunglasses, uh, a recent brand we worked on, which was Culture Kings. So yeah, three years ago, freelancing myself. And then to now we were able to scale an agency based on the product offering that we created which we believe is solving a huge problem for people. Amazing story, man. I'm very proud of you. Good job. You mentioned on LinkedIn, most businesses don't get attention in the busy market. I have a process to nail your brand message to help you scale your company fast. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's something you mentioned on LinkedIn. I think you mentioned about that process to a certain extent, but can you kind of zoom in into kind of how do I find that messaging? Because I think everything in your world starts with messaging and positioning, and then you kind of translate that into colors and content and stuff. Yeah, a lot of people try to skip the branding step because they see it as like it's it's a luxury to have a brand. And my argument is, well, you already have a brand. It probably sucks, right? And if you take a brand that sucks or is lazy or is confusing or is you know just too ambiguous, it's not clear as to what it is or why I want it. A lot of times people use too much messaging and they use generic messaging that's used everywhere. So then it's not... It's not new. It's not worth listening to. Like how many websites do you go to? Like, let's just say in my industry, you go to their website and this is probably like 99% of my competitors say something like this. We're a full service digital branding agency that does yada, 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 right? They all say, they all start with the same headline. You go to our website, it's like, what the hell is branding and why the hell do you need it? We're a group of hell-bent mavericks determined to change the world and branding from being the loser in the bar to being the chat at the end of the bar. And people are like, who talks like that? So then people engage with us and they're like, you guys are different. I just want to talk to you. The thing is like writing copy and messaging, it's not worth listening to if you're just regurgitating what you think people want to hear. Create something that they don't expect to hear that is new, right? A famous agency, Ogilvy Design, had David Ogilvy who founded it. And he said something to the lines of, if what you're writing sounds like copy, write it again. And do this today. Go, go to like 10 agencies in this city and read their headlines. It all sounds like I'm reading copywriting. None of it sounds like I'm listening to a person speak. So the stuff I'm saying is not difficult, but it's most often misunderstood. And most often people are just lazy. So the point I'm getting to is if you look at branding, let's just say I'm designing a car for Jeep. I'm designing a new Jeep Wrangler, right? Well, before I design it, I need to sit down and think about, well, who am I going to sell this to? Like what tribe of people would buy that kind of vehicle, right? Maybe people that go camping, maybe people that like the beach, maybe people that are working corporate jobs, but they want to feel adventurous. So they'll buy a Jeep and drive it along the boulevard on the weekends. You know what I mean? So like people have different reasons, but you have to define like who's the tribe 
we're trying to be interesting to. And if you think, if you're listening to this podcast and you say to yourself, well, I want to target everyone. My answer to that is you're targeting no one. How could you target everyone? Get a hundred people in a room and try to get them to agree. It's like herding cats. It's not really possible, right? So, you know, some people have rebellious personalities. Some people have corporate personalities. Some people have reserved in introvert personalities. Some people have creative personalities. Some people are adventurous. Some people are loud. Some people are quiet. Some people are outrageous. Some people are calm and collected, right? People are different. So you have to kind of figure out like, who's that tribe? And if I'm a car designer, I would say, okay, that's my tribe. Now, who am I to deserve their attention? So then you have to invent some kind of personality or position that feels like it's relevant to that audience. So then when they're looking at Jeep and going, wow, that's a pretty cool looking vehicle. I could roll that on the beach. And then you back that up with language saying things like where you'd rather be, or like, I think Jeep used this language about destinations you'd rather be driving to rather than whatever it is you're doing, right? They're talking about, Hey, Hey, you Jeep driver, do you want to feel like this? The client's like, "Uh uh-huh. And then you build this universe, you build this world around them. You use photography, you use messaging, you use colors they like, you use fonts that relate to adventure and you start to collage this concept in their head. And then you design the vehicle and you design the vehicle in a way that feels like it fits them, just the way they want to be met. And then, and only then, should you even start considering advertising and marketing, right? The idea is maybe 5% of the problem, which is that's the tribe. This is who we are. This is why we're good together. 5% of the problem. The other 35% of that initial problem is how do we communicate it? How do we position it? How do we build a concept? How do we simplify it? And if you look at a brand that does a lot of complicated stuff, but has simplified their message. If you look at Apple, very big, huge, complicated brands, Steve Jobs just simplified the message right down to think different. And everything was about simplicity and intuition. That's about it. Everything else you'll learn later. But if those are things you want, if you feel like someone that thinks different and you feel like someone that likes simplicity and wants to have an intuitive set of technology, buy an Apple. He didn't talk about the camera. He didn't talk about the screen. He didn't talk about the buttons, the aluminum casing, the colors that comes in. At least when he was around, he was talking about how it felt have the products, right? A thousand songs in your pocket, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, I'd like to have a thousand songs in my pocket. He didn't talk about iPod. He just said, do you want a thousand songs in your pocket? And people were like, hell yeah, buy an iPod. That's about it. So it's like, how do you simplify this message? Not for yourself, but for the consumer. So they can go, oh, I understand what you do, right? And then once you figure out the branding, how are you going to speak? The tone, like, are you serious? Are you funny? Are you charismatic? Are you outlandish? Are you rebellious? Are you corporate? Are you stern? Like, how do you portray yourself? And then you paint a picture visually, fonts, colors, photography, whatever else. Then you've solved 40% of your problem. The other 60% is, all right, now let's go use it. So building a brand is like the equivalent of making a vehicle and then going and driving it. What happens is people jump over... They get the 5% idea, they jump over the branding and straight into advertising and marketing. And then they point a finger at their advertiser or marketing agency and go, you guys aren't solving my problem. It's not their job to do design. It's not their job to do branding. They might say they do, but most marketing and advertisement agencies know you want branding. So they'll sell it to you, but it's not what they specialize in. 
it's kind of like Nike trying to sell you a watch. It's not really their, their field of expertise. They could probably sell you one, but they probably have no business trying to make watches. So the way I look at it is if you actually solve that problem, the first 40% properly, when you get to marketing advertising, you're going to have a hell of a lot of an easier job doing it because you should have all the tools, you should have all the structure ready for you. And you go to an ad agency or a marketing agency and you go, here, here's my brands, my fonts, my colors, my photo style, my story, my tagline. I want 2 million ROI in the next 12 months. How much is it going to cost me? They'll probably turn around and say, it's going to cost you 400 grand. Cool. Here's the kit. Here's the 400 k Let's build a budget. Get me some clients. That's idealistic. That's not usually how things roll out. But at least if you have the brand kit ready, you would most likely going to have a better chance at succeeding when it comes to marketing, right? Because if you run a $100,000 ad campaign, would you rather have an ambiguous, sloppy brand or would you rather have like a samurai sword, like something that's well-crafted, designed for the job so that when you invest that 100K, you might get a high conversion rate. It might be half a percent or one or 2%, but that could be the difference between making a million or $4 million that year. This is the kind of results we get for our clients. We move the needle a little bit by getting them clear, making them clearer to their audience. And branding should take time. It won't happen in one month. Good branding takes years to build. You know, even Dyson took him 14 years to build his brands. Supreme took 12 years. You know, so it takes time. But rather than waiting till you're successful to brands, you should probably start there and then you'll probably have a chance of success, my opinion. Makes a lot of sense. It is definitely painstakingly long process with a lot of thinking involved. We did that exercise at uh, Social Pilot as well, and uh, do some things to me know how painful that is. But yes, it definitely yields results. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, thanks for listening. <laughs>